1: Hello and welcome back aboard the New Scientist Escape Pod. Each week we're here to talk about anything other than the woes of everyday life.
2: Uh, yeah, it's called the Escape Pod for a reason.
1: <laughs> oh, It could be called the Jettison Pod, although that <laughs> doesn't quite have the same ring to it. Uh, yeah, this is
0: the Escape Pod. I'm your host, Rowan Hooper.
2: Well, I'm Beth Ackerley. I'm a sub-editor at New Scientist.
0: And I'm Timothy Revel, New Scientist's comment and culture editor. Welcome
1: aboard, all of you. Now, this week's theme is music.
2: Yeah, and it's a massive subject to cover in a short podcast, so we'll just be dipping into a few select aspects. Uh, Tim, you'll be covering...
0: Yeah, I'll just talk about the tiny subject of why we like music. (laughs) (laughs) Great.
2: And I'm going to talk about hidden music in data. And Rowan?
1: Uh, I'll start off with animal music. So first of all,
0: let me ask you, do you think animals make music? Sort of? Uh, yeah, it's a bit tricky, isn't it? I mean, yeah. some animals are definitely musical. Mm. Don't
1: know if that's the same. Well, that's a good... I don't know if that's the same, actually. Um, I mean, we we think of animal music, if we think of music it being music at all, as being a means to an end. So, you know, animals might sing to attract a mate or to mark their territory or something. And it's not quite the same as, as what we call music when humans do it. I'm not sure if we'll answer the question if if animals make music, but what I want to do is make the case that musical roots are deeply embedded in non-human animals, and I wanted to give a few examples. So first, gorillas.
0: Oh, yeah, Uh, like that one from the Cadbury's advert.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just like that. Yeah, the one that plays
0: the drums. (laughs) Gorillas, thanks,
1: Tim, gorillas (laughs) sing and they hum when they're eating. Uh, If you talk to a zookeeper, they'll probably be very familiar with this. But um, actually, gorillas also do it in the wild. So here's a clip of a gorilla humming. (laughs) That's a very deep hum. Yeah, it's a bit like a tiger purring. um, Yeah, or a snore. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Or a car, actually, you know. uh, And here's a gorilla singing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's uh, it's Ooh. a bit less convincing, isn't it? Uh, that's a <laughs> Western lowland gorilla in the Republic of Congo uh, singing. Uh, gorillas apparently sing, and they they do vary their songs that if you call that a song, and they sing differently. In, in zoos, the zookeepers can tell them apart.
2: Wow, um, do we know why they they do that?
1: Well, it might be uh, the purring. Definitely seems like it's an element of contentment. And in the wild, uh, it turns out that it's usually only the silverback gorilla who sings. So it might be a signal that mealtime is still going, everyone. And this is a <laughs> signal for that.
2: It, it's nice, but it's it's not super convincing me that it's music.
1: No, uh, I, I, I'll give you that. <laughs> um, I, it's just fun that they sing. So I wanted to play mm. that. But look, birds are more convincing. So let's listen to some birds. Here's one that I've not heard in the wild. Uh, this is the North American hermit thrush. Uh, we're going to hear it at normal speed and then slowed down. Oh, isn't that lovely? Um, mm It turns out the bird's song, though, is described by the same mathematics that underlies human harmonies.
2: Uh, Meaning what exactly?
1: Well, I think it means that there's a bias in the bird's song towards the harmonies that we use uh, in different human cultures in our music. So the thrush chooses, or rather, the thrush has chosen over evolutionary time the same harmonies that human cultures use in their music.
2: Ah, okay. But, but what does that, like, mean?
1: <laughs> uh, well, it might mean just that that explains why it sounds melodious to us. Uh, or it might, be, it might be an example of actual musicality in birds. Huh. Um, and now I want to play another example. Just listen to this. This is another thrush, a veery thrush. Now that's lovely that's the that's the bird singing at normal speed, but now listen to it again, slowed down. when the very song is slowed down, you can spot how it sings a long note followed by a short one, and then repeats that pattern. <laughs>
2: that's amazing.
1: Isn't that amazing? Does yeah. it remind you of anything?
2: Like swing, maybe (laughs) it sounds quite. It's like a sort of swing rhythm. It is.
1: It's 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 like jazz, and it is a swing rhythm. So swing means uh, pairs of notes are played long, short, instead of being of equal duration, Uh, and that's what human musicians do to make people dance.
2: Is that what the birds are doing?
1: Well, I like to think so, (laughs) but actually, we don't know if they dance. They might actually dance, but it turns out male birds move their body in an odd way when they're singing. Uh, But it might be that variation might be just a way of making the song more interesting to a female.
0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoted for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: Now, Beth, hidden music. What's hidden music?
2: Well, uh, music is everywhere. And one way of discovering it is called data sonification. Uh, It's just like data visualization, only with sound. Okay. Uh, a, a simple real world example of data sonification would be a geiger counter which can tell you the level of radiation in its vicinity through the number of clicks that you hear. So the more clicks, the more radiation there is.
0: Okay. Well, that's
1: is that music?
0: That's not music. <laughs> oh, you no. could talk Rowan with your grunting gorilla. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Thank thank you. Um, no, no, that's not quite music, but um it it shows you that you can create sounds or or a piece of music based on pretty much anything. Uh, brain waves air quality uh, collisions of subatomic particles even whatever you want all you have to do is pair aspects of the data to elements of sound so things like pitch tempo volume things like that
1: and so if you did that if you do that can you can you make music out of those things though
2: yeah yeah in a way so so nasa for instance uh, has taken data on different objects in space Uh, like the Crab Nebula, for instance, and has represented them with sound. So they might convert different wavelengths of light to different instruments. So they might use woodwind instruments to represent infrared light, say, Uh, and they might convey brightness through
1: volume. OK, let's have some examples then.
2: So these are all pieces by a composer called Milton Mermikides. This is pendulum music, first of all, uh, which transposes the movements of pendulums to pitches on a five note scale. So, if you have a row of pendulums of increasing length and start them swinging at the same time, uh, their movements follow this distinct, quite mesmerising wave. And that's a pattern that you can hear in this piece instead of just seeing it.
1: Wow, that is rem- that is reminding me of the mathematics of music. How it really follows those, those rules, yeah
2: yeah so here's another piece called distant harmony one which conveys the orbital periods of the solar system's planets using pitch and rhythm so it starts off with mercury coming in which is high pitched with a fast rhythm and it goes through the planets and eventually you reach neptune which is low and slow and it, it gives you a really instinctive sense of how the planets move relative to one another
1: okay so that's mercury
2: so each pulse is one orbital period if that makes sense
1: yeah Okay, so Venus has just come in. Mm-hmm. There we are. There we are.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and there's Mars. Oh, Mars is very gentle, isn't it?
2: Yeah.
1: It's very I'm relaxing, this. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's actually weird. You wouldn't expect it to be relaxing, would you? You'd think it might be like a a random cacophony, but
2: Mm. it's not. Yeah, and you get these sort of rare moments where they they sort of align, where you can can feel the planets aligning, which is quite nice.
1: Should we just play this for the rest of the podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that is nice. Uh, What else have we got, Beth?
2: Um, So next we have crystallisation of salt. Which is pretty much what it sounds like. Um, so it's based on a video of salt crystallizing and the spread of salt on the left hand side of the video. Is it like paint <laughs> drying? <laughs> it's it's much prettier. Growing. It's much, much prettier, yeah. I yeah. promise. But, um, so the, the spread of the salt on the left hand side of the video is converted into lower notes on a piano, while the spread on the right is higher notes. And the, the higher up the image, um, the louder the note is. So it, it, it really captures the sort of how that physical process builds with time
1: that is amazing you mean that's
0: not really been composed
2: yeah it's it's entirely based on the
0: transposed that's that's incredible that one sounds the most like something you might actually hear yeah you know like legitimate Mm. music rather than some attempt to convert some bit of science into music it sounds like something someone could have composed my gorillas again (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like something a gorilla could have sung i think
2: <laughs> well that's that's kind of the joy of it is that you uh, you can make it as sort of complex or as simple as you want de- depending on the how arty you want to be or how strictly scientific you want to be. Hmm. What I think is really valuable about data sonification is that not only can you create something really beautiful uh, and interesting as we've just heard um it's a really simple way of conveying a lot of complex information at once in a way that people who aren't necessarily experts can engage with our ears are really sensitive to the variations that we hear in sound so you don't need a a lot of scientific or even musical training to spot those patterns and only using visual representations of data can exclude a lot of blind and visually impaired people as well so sonification just provides another route into engaging with the data
1: Uh, that's absolutely amazing i absolutely love that beth thank you (laughs) Um, Now, Tim, your job is to bring it all together for us. Uh, No pressure. Tell us why. (laughs) Why do we like music?
0: Uh, So the thing is, there are so many aspects to why we like music. So I just want to talk about one of them. And that's why some notes sound so good together to us. Um, and it all begins with Pythagoras, who you may know as a mathematician and triangle enthusiast. <laughs> and The story goes, he's walking along in ancient Greece when he heard some metal being hit with different size hammers, making different tones. And sometimes it sounded in harmony and sometimes it didn't. And so sort of classic Pythagoras, this bothers him. So he rushes home and starts to experiment with some strings. And with the strings, he varies the tension, the thickness and the length. And the result is that he varies the pitch of the note that is produced, and he makes a fundamental discovery, and that's that our ears prefer sounds that are mathematically harmonious. So the question is, what do, what does that actually mean? I mean, what is a mathematically harmonious note? Yeah. Um, and I, I don't want to be that guy that gets his guitar out as a par- at a party, <laughs> but I actually have mine here to demonstrate. <laughs> um, so try not to bash the desk too much in the process. So... With A, uh, if you pluck a string, so for example, I'll pluck the A string, it it always vibrates at the same frequency, assuming that the tension and the thickness and the length are the same. So with the A string, it's 440 times a second. And Pythagoras said that the note that sounds best with A is found by halving the string length, which is this note. And so if you play those close together, you'll notice that they're an octave apart. Um. And so what does that actually mean? It means that it's vibrating twice as fast, that second note, um, as the first one. So it's going at 880 times a second. And so by taking, yes, it's really quick. And by taking a third, a quarter and a fifth of the string length, we find the notes that vibrate three, four and five times as fast as the original. And this forms the harmonic series, which are a set of notes that sound really good together. Oh, wow. But then so we're still not quite there, right? So we know that these are these are nice ratios, but why is it to us that they actually sound harmonious? And it's because inside your ear is this thing called the bacilla membrane, which is sort of like your own internal guitar, but with around a thousand strings. And the thing with strings is that if you sing a particular note near a string that wants to vibrate at the same frequency, then it will do. So I'm I'm not going to sing an A note to try and get my guitar to vibrate. (laughs) Go on. There there is no way I could accurately do that. Um, But the rough principle is that if I sing an A note, I cause the air to vibrate at 440 times a second. And that's like giving a little push to the string 440 times a second, a little bit like a child on a swing. (laughs) Um, But to keep the string moving, you don't have to push it at the end of every vibration. You can maintain that motion by pushing it every other time or every third time And it just won't be as loud. And so this same thing happens in your ear. And what this means really is that when you hear a note, you also hear the note that has twice the frequency, that has three times the frequency, and so on, but just a little quieter. So this means that our ears always hear harmonies.
1: Wow.
0: Yes. So every (laughs) time you hear an A note, like this Mm. one, you also hear the note vibrating two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times faster than that note. So of course we think these notes sound together because you've actually never heard them alone. Wow. Wow, I can actually play the guitar then.
1: That means I can play one string of a guitar and it's effectively playing a harmony.
0: Yeah, so you you always hear harmonies. You just hear them a little bit quieter. And then so that's why when you play multiple notes together, the bit that is sounding good is these ratios interacting with each other. Um, A little bit like we heard in Beth's sonification that you have some patterns that repeat and it's this repeating of patterns that sounds pleasing to our ears. So I
1: keep thinking of you at a party talking about this to Pythagoras, Ply- <laughs> and a Ply- yeah, I'm a triangle enthusiast myself. And then you can explain this. Uh, you know what? Uh, I I'm being being mean, but uh, I would love to be at such a
0: party. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you're Me invited too. as soon as we're allowed. <laughs>
1: Now, that's all for this week
2: yep that's all for this week's escape pod uh, we'll be back next week please do subscribe and tell everyone about the escape pod and get in touch on twitter at new scientist pod
1: and remember you can get a discount subscription to new scientist if you go to newscientist.com escape 12 thanks for listening and thanks beth and tim and see you next week bye 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 This podcast is produced by OG Podcast Production. Find out more at ogpodcasts.co.uk.